Jesus, thank you that this is all about you, that we're here because of you, God. We're here because we want to seek you with all of our hearts. We want to find you. We need to hear from you tonight. And I ask, God, that you would speak to us, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just anoint this time. And even though we're connected through the Internet right now, even though we're, we're connected electronically, may you connect us by your Holy Spirit. And may your Holy Spirit work through your word. And may you speak to us clearly, Lord. So, God, I ask that you would you would just be right where we're at, God. May we feel your presence even more than we already do. And so we ask for your anointing upon your word, and we ask that you would bless this time right now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in his later years, Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, seemed to walk around the house always sad and gloomy, And then one day, his wife came into a study dressed all in black. Now, that kind of took him back, so Martin Luther asked, Who's dead? She said, God is. Martin Luther was shocked, and he said, What? Why would you say a thing like that? She replied, Because all you've been doing is walking around this place all sad and gloomy, so I figured God must be dead then. Well, I believe... Uh, uh, she got to him with that. I mean, the point is, if God lives in us, how could we not have joy? You know, I like something what William Vander Haven said. Joy is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ. Well, we return tonight in our study in the book of Philippians, and we find the believer's true source of joy is Jesus. And no matter what the circumstances are, because of our salvation we have in Jesus, because he's involved in our lives, you can tap into the joy. And that's the title of our message tonight. I almost said this morning. But tonight, tap into the joy. We're going to be studying Philippians chapter 3 from verse 1 through 3. Just three verses tonight. We we finished chapter 2 last week and it's been an amazing time. I encourage you to to uh, pick up and listen to the podcast or listen to them again. But tonight, we're into chapter 3, first three verses, and this is our outline. This is what we're going to find here. Tap into joy, number one, the source is Jesus. Number two, the signs of danger. And number three, the spirit means access. So let's begin here with our title, Tap Into the Joy. And number one now, the source is Jesus. The source is Jesus. Now, take a look at... with. Take a look at the passage with me here in chapter 3. And we're only going to look at the first part in this first section. So here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Finally, finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. And we'll stop right there. So we begin here with Paul writing, finally. And literally, it's saying, with this time remaining. Or in others, with what I have to write now in this letter. Paul is not ending this letter. It sounds like he's saying finally, but it's more like he's introducing this last section or the next section of this book. Paul still has so much to say. And you know what? For us, there's actually 44 more verses left in the book. We have to do chapter 3 and go into chapter 4. When Paul says finally in chapter 4, verse 8, that's when he's going to be coming to an end. Some preachers take this 
uh, passage right here in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 1, and they joke like saying, Paul is the typical pastor who says, in conclusion, and then goes on for another half hour. But it's not that. Paul is not doing that. What Paul is doing, he's bringing in much uh, bringing in more reasons for believers to be filled with joy. Now, remember how we saw here in chapter 1, Paul found joy like in his prayers for the Philippians. Paul found joy in how God was moving, spreading the gospel, even in his imprisonment. Paul found joy in what he lived for. Remember, he was all out for Jesus, right? He, he lived for him no matter what. If he lived or died, his life would magnify Christ. And then as we got into chapter 2, if you remember, Paul called the church in Philippi to find unity, right? And this is what he found joy in. He called them to maintain unity. He found joy in calling. He called them to put others first. He called them to follow that amazing humility of Jesus, if you remember that, and live out who God made you on the inside. Remember, work out your salvation. He called the church to stop grumbling and even follow the example of himself, Timothy, and Epaphroditus. So, this is what Paul has been putting forth in the way we can find joy. Well, now, here in chapter 3, Paul goes on to encourage the believers to be filled with joy. And before we go on, remember what our theme was? The theme for the book of Philippians was simply joy in Jesus, if you remember that. Joy in Jesus. Easy to remember that, right? That's our theme. That's what Paul is really really putting forth in all of this. And so that's exactly what put, Paul puts out there in verse 1 of chapter 3. And look again. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Now, the word rejoice means to have great joy. But before we talk more about in the Lord, what is joy? What is that? Well, let me give you three things about what joy really is. Number one, joy is not happiness. Joy is not happiness. First of all, joy is not happiness. James Montgomery Boyce explains that happiness in our English translation is is of the Latin word fortuna, which is a word that is closely related to chance. One commentator said it's, it's where we get our word happen chance. Thus, Boyce writes, if things happen to work out in a way which we approve, then we are happy. And then Boyce says, if they do not uh, if they do not so happen like the way we want, we are unhappy. So that equals to understanding that happiness is circumstantial. So you can define happiness in the way that happiness depends on what's happening, right? If circumstances are good, wow, we're really happy. But if, peop- you know, if people are nice to you, wow, we're really happy. But as soon as the circumstances change or the feelings change or people... Uh, they, they're, they're not good toward you, then what happens? We become unhappy. So you see, joy, what Paul is talking about, is not happiness. Joy basically is not based on circumstances. But what joy is, is number two, joy is lasting. So joy is not happiness, but the second thing I want you to see and understand is that joy is lasting. Because you know why? It's spiritual. It comes from the inside. Listen to what Galatians 5.22 says, and this is just the first part of the verse. We know this, but it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
uh, well, I'll go on, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So we know the fruit of the Spirit is love, and the second word there is joy. The word there in the Greek is chara, which means deep, spiritual joy that abides in us by how the working of the Spirit in our lives. That's that fruit that comes out. It, it, listen, joy is more than an emotion. It's more than some feeling. But it is a supernatural rejoicing. It's spiritual. And that's why joy lasts. Joy is independent of, of circumstances or what people may do to us or say about us. Joy is not something we like work up. But it is something the Spirit works in to believers. So this joy, listen, will be there no matter what's happening on the outside or what's happening around you, no matter the circumstance. This is on the inside of us believers. That's why, number one, joy is not happiness. That's why we see joy is lasting. And the third thing I want you to see is in our verse, Joy is in Jesus. Joy is in Jesus. So Paul writes, rejoice what? In the Lord. Joy comes from our relationship with the Lord Jesus. That, that's really where we're heading. That's what really what Paul is talking about here. It's like Paul is saying, you know, God is in my life. God is involved in my life. So you guys, he's telling the Philippians, let's as believers find great joy in Jesus. The joy is in Jesus. See, Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord, not in the circumstances. Our joy comes from the Lord. It comes from Jesus. See, the source is Jesus. That's our heading here. And it's his involvement in our lives that brings us that joy. That's the source. That is Jesus. Think about this now, right? Where's Paul right now? I've been saying this almost every week. He's in prison, right? So here's Paul in a bad circumstance. He's, he's calling on the Philippians to rejoice. When it, it would seem like it should be the other way around, right? The Philippians should be telling Paul to rejoice because they're okay right now, sort of, and then Paul is not in a good circumstance. But Paul has found the secret in still having joy that is to go to the source of true joy, and that's the Lord Jesus. See, it wasn't that Paul was happy to be in prison. I don't think he was. It wasn't that he was happy to not be able to be with the Philippians in church or go on his missionary journeys. No, but he could rejoice because he knew God was with him and God would never leave him nor forsake him. So Paul's point is this. Find joy in Jesus, for you now have him fully involved in your life. That's what salvation brings. That's what having Jesus in our life is. Paul found joy in Jesus, for you now have him fully involved in your life. You know, I was thinking about this when the kids were small, and uh, we would ask them to smile for the camera, right? Smile for the camera, and we're like, you know, trying to take a family picture, and Sometimes they weren't that happy, you know, and they, it was hard to get them to smile for whatever reason. And their smile would be more like, you know, just showing your teeth like you're at the dentist or something. Their cheeks would not go up like, you know, when you smile, but they would like, you know, like this, kind of like, you know, kind of their cheeks down. And, and we would have to, I would have to try and prompt them. I'd try to tickle them, but, and maybe they, a smile would come up, but they're more like, smile. You know, and, 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 you know, 
I tried to Kalem and do things, but I would fail. And we'd take the picture anyway, and, and you'd see their picture is almost like fake, or, or it was kind of like this grin and bear it kind of smile. Maybe that's what they're doing, grin and bearing. Oh, I don't want to take a picture. But listen, that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul's not saying, grin and bear it, rejoice in the Lord. Grin and bear it, we'll get through this con- con- uh, circumstance, you know. No, Paul is saying, tap into the joy, our title, that comes from Jesus. Find joy in Jesus, for you now have him fully involved in your life. He's the source of this joy. This joy in Jesus, you know what? Circumstances cannot touch you guys. Your situation, whatever you're in right now with this virus crisis, you know what? That cannot take away your joy in Jesus. No matter how dark these days seem to you, the Lord is still the Lord. No matter how the economy looks, God is still on the throne. The Lord is still mighty to save and mighty to keep you safe. So do not operate in the way of what happiness is, right? Happiness is, it it depends on the circumstances if you're happy or not. But find the true, true joy in Jesus, for you now have the Lord. You have Jesus fully involved in your life. He cares for you. And that's where the joy comes from. It's joy, joy in Jesus. Tap into the joy there. Remember what Jesus said in John 15, uh, verse 11. He said, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full." So tap into the joy. All right, the source is Jesus. Now let's go to number two in our outline, the signs of danger, the signs of danger. Now take a look at the rest of verse 1 and verse 2 here. This is our next section. So it goes on, Paul writes in the second part of verse 1, to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out. For the evildoers, look out for those who manipulate the flesh. And we'll stop right there. Now, Paul says here to write the same things to you. What he's saying, in other words, I make no apology to repeat what I've told you again and again. I'm going to say it. Why is that? He says, because it's safe for you. Because what I'm saying, it's important to safeguard your faith. And you know what, with this theme we're running on, it's important to safeguard your joy that you have in Jesus. See, um, Paul sees a danger here. And what's that danger? Well, Paul writes, look out for the dogs. Now, this is if you, um, this seems kind of strange, right, at first read. You think, what, dogs? Look out for dogs? What is that? Well, here, dogs... Paul's using this word as it speaks of wild dogs. In the ancient times, there were like feral dogs, you know, alley dogs out there. They ran in packs, actually. They would dig through the trash, and they were real mean. They'd actually even attack people. So Paul's saying, watch out, look out for these dogs. Now, he's not talking about literally dogs here or feral dogs. He's referring to the false teachers known as Judaizers. Paul warned the Philippians to be on the lookout for the Judaizers. They're the feral dogs here. They're the wild dogs here. Now, the Judaizers, they were Jewish false teachers 
who would come into the Christian churches and they would teach false doctrine. They would teach heresy, basically. You know what they would, they would do? They would come in, and that's what Paul referred to earlier in chapter 1. Remember, he's in prison, and now these false teachers are coming in after he's gone, and they start you know, giving everyone their spiel, and they would come in and they say, yeah, you know what Paul says? Jesus is good, yeah. We believe him in too, yeah, yeah, we do. But, you know what? Paul has it all wrong. All the apostles have it all wrong. Here's what God has shown us. You've got to also follow and do the Jewish customs in order to be saved and forgiven and go to heaven and be have access to God. It's interesting, the word Judaizer comes from the Greek word that means to live according to Jewish customs. These guys are trying to make Christians into Jews, basically. Uh, they, they said, you've got to be Jews, and then you could follow Jesus. They were trying to basically Judaize believers. Uh, they were a big problem in the early church. Paul addresses them in many of his, his letters and books. And, and they, they were basically coming in and saying, you know what, you've got to be circumcised as a Jew. And you've got to follow the rituals, like observe the Jewish feasts and holidays and go to the temple. You've got to be a Jew and have Jesus. And then, yeah, yeah, then you can be saved. They were pushing really a mix of grace and works in order to be right with God. So Paul's saying these Judaizers, they're like feral dogs. They're like mean, aggressive, ready to attack anyone who disagreed with them. And that's what they basically were. They thought God had spoken to them. They thought they knew it all. They were full of pride. So these guys, they thought they were so holy and spiritual because they they followed the Jewish ways. And yeah, they believed in Jesus too. But you know what Paul says then in verse 2, right? He says here, look out, what, for the evil doers. He's saying, watch out for these guys because they actually are doing evil. Now, he's really doing like a play on words. They're pushing like, good works, that's how you get to God. That's how you get forgiveness. But it only showed their wicked works. They were evil doers. They were evildoers in that these guys are doing the evil. You know what they were doing? They were mixing grace and works. They were mixing truth that Jesus preached with a lie. So they were the real evildoers. And then Paul does another play on words when he says in verse 2, he says, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Look out for those who, who, who are like these dogs, like tearing up the flesh. And these are the false teachers. These are the wild dogs, the ones that mutilate you physically. The flesh, talking about physically. Paul speaks about how they basically teach the Gentiles that they need to actually be circumcised in order to be right with God. And remember, as Paul is writing this letter, he's writing to the Philippian Christians. And the Philippians were generally Gentiles here. So here's these guys, these Jewish guys coming in, these Judaizers saying, Hey, Christ is good, but you know what? You've got to become a Jew. You've got to get circumcised. And I don't, I don't think that sounds very fun, you know, as an adult here. So like a wild dog that attacks a human being and rips into the flesh, these Judaizers do the same, literally. So Paul warns the Philippians, you know, the false information they're putting out of these Judaizers, 
You know what? They change the gospel into rules of do's and don'ts, making you physically do things that won't help you spiritually. And when you see that, when you see them coming in in that way, look out, for that is the sign of danger. When someone comes in pushing in this legalism to, in order for you to be saved, in order for you to find forgiveness and be accepted by God, watch out. That's the sign of danger. That's our heading. Listen to something Spurgeon once said. He wrote, The poor sinner trying to be saved by law is like a blind horse going round and round a mill and never getting a step further, but only being whipped continually. The faster he goes, the more work he does, the more he is tired. So I read that to you because you kind of get this picture of this burden on you. That's what legalism does. That's what these rules of do's and don'ts to be able to please God and be accepted by him. That's what it does. It it makes you tired. It's a burden. You're going round and round. It's not a great feeling, you know. And so with that, understand there is no joy when you live a life like that. And that's what these guys are doing. They come in with these rules, and that's what's so dangerous. You know what happens? Your joy disappears. And when the spiritual joy is gone, then that is a sign of danger too. Watch out when that spiritual joy from in your heart is gone because you're all getting wrapped up into the do's and don'ts. I mean, we all know, right? We all understand Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, right? We are saved, what? By grace through faith, and what? Not by works. No. It's the grace of God upon us where we put our faith in Jesus Christ and what He has done, His work on the cross, not our own, not our works. It's a gift of God, nothing that we have done. So we need to hold on to that, especially when these People come around with these legalism. That's what Paul is saying. So when you're burdened with these works, you feel what? Condemned because you never live up to that. You feel like you're a failure all the time. And if you feel like a failure all the time, there is no joy. So here's what Paul is saying. Look out for those who focus on your own works and not the work of Christ, for that will steal your joy. In this flow, in this context of rejoicing in the Lord, that's what Paul is putting out there. He's saying, look, look out for those who make you focus on your own works, that you got to do this, and not the work of Christ. Because you know what happens? That will steal your joy. That information, misinformation, that, that, that false doctrine they're putting out, that's going to steal your joy. You know, someone was telling me last week how the guys at his work were we're, we're all talking about that. Matson is going to shut down. There's not going to be barges. We're, we're not going to have shipments anymore. Now, now, I've been following the news, and so far what I've read, and several times I've seen online in the news, because I think there's this you know, rumor going around that Matson is stating that they are not shutting down. Businesses is normal. They're going to keep shipping. So, you know, we see how, right, rumors can spread and we see how people believe those rumors and then when you believe these this misinformation it's sad because then it gets to us and and this false information that's not true can be so devastating to our community 
Well, that's what these false teachers are doing with their teaching, with their false doctrine. That's what Paul is saying. Look out for this. It brings devastation. It steals your joy. It brings in condemnation. It steals your joy. So Paul's like, look out for those who focus on your own works and not the work of Christ. It will steal your joy. I was thinking how some believers in Jesus could be thinking even wrongly with this coronavirus. Where you might be thinking, you know, what's happening to me? This hardship. What's happening? I've got to be, be, stay at home and I can't go do my stuff. Or, or I'm laid off. Or I'm feeling sick. And what's happening? Could it be in this time that God is judging me? Is God coming down upon me and, and I don't have my salvation? But if you are in Christ, if you pray to receive Christ, if you believe that He died on a cross for your sins, you know what? You're covered by His blood. No matter your sin, no matter if you failed Him, you can go to Him, you can be cleansed, you can be forgiven, and you are a child of God. Know that God loves you, and there is forgiveness. His blood covers all of our sins. And, and, and that's why Jesus died on the cross. You are not, not under judgment. You know, I was thinking about this, and some people even think, well, this, is, this must be judgment being poured upon the world. And, and, and you, know, you know what I think? I, I, I think that if judgment was poured upon the world, A, it's gonna, it's, it'd be a lot worse. And it will be. Because if you think about what the seven years of tribulation, the last seven years of the world as we know, you know what that is? That is the judgment of God. That's the wrath of God falling upon this earth. If you think this is hard, this is, this is like nothing compared to what is coming when God truly does judge the world. But this is how I look at it. Understand, right, sin that came into this world that's what brought sickness and disease. And I believe that all that we're going through is a consequence of that sin. And it's a, maybe it's a consequence of someone's sin or, you, you know, someone, someone not, you know, you, you know uh, following social distancing. I don't know. But, you, you know, anyway, sin brought this disease, this disease, and it's a consequence of, of, of our sin. So it's just in this world. It's, it's part of, you know, what we've been... Uh, battling anyway different sicknesses disease cancer all of that i think it's all part of this it's it, i'm going to talk about it more on sunday in our update but you know this is just more on this global very contagious you know scale here but it's still i believe it's a consequence of sin but with that i believe that god wants to use this consequence to get the world's attention that's what I think is going on. Is, is, he, is he judging people? I, I don't know. Maybe he is in a sense. Maybe there's some consequences. But I don't think he's like pouring judgment on the world. I think, I think he's going to use this to try and get the attention of everybody. And if you're in Jesus, you know what? No worries. If you need to get back to Jesus, then get back to Jesus. But I'll tell you, when God judges the world, he'll judge it. We'll know it for sure. But right now, if you know Jesus, you can be covered in the blood. You can be forgiven. God loves you. If you don't know Jesus, if you've, you've connected here somehow by chance and you don't know Jesus, I'll tell you, accept them right now. For God is trying to reach you and to call to you through all this. And know that 
All who believe in Jesus, right? Don't let your mind be misinformed. Don't start thinking, oh, maybe I did this, I did this. No, Jesus loves you. He died on a cross for you. You are precious to him. And don't let what someone might be saying steal your joy. Sometimes we got to accept, right? Sometimes what was meant for evil, you know what? God can bring about the good. So let's look for that. Don't worry. Be, go to the Lord. Know His love for you. Know the, the cross and His blood covers you. So be careful not to be condemned and lose your joy. Look out, though, for these signs of danger and stay in Jesus. All right. We want to tap into the joy in Jesus and we see the source is Jesus. Number two, the signs of danger. Now let's go to our, our third and final he- heading, the Spirit means access. The Spirit means access. Take a look with me here now. Verse 3, Philippians chapter 3. It reads here, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. And we'll stop there. Okay, so Paul goes on to say, We, the believers, are the circumcision. In other words, we are the ones who are truly circumcised. Not these guys saying, you've got to be circumcised like us, these Judaizers, right? We are the ones who are truly saved. These guys are saying, well, we're the Jews, we're circumcised, and we have Jesus, we're saved ones, and you've you got to do that to be saved. No, Paul's saying, hey, you, know, you want to know something? We're, we're like the circumcision. We're the ones who are saved. Now, in the Old Testament, in Genesis, uh, we know when circumcision was first given in the Old Testament, it was given as a physical sign to the Jews of their spiritual position with God. It, 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 was, it was a sign and symbol that they belonged to God, that they were God's people, that they had a relationship with the living God as opposed to uh, the, the pagan a society and Gentiles. So Paul was saying to the Philippian Christians, who, by the way, again, they're, they're uncircumcised Gentiles, he's saying, look, look, they and all believers were the ones who are really God's people because why? We have Jesus Christ. We have his salvation by grace through faith. And so when believers go to worship God, it's not through, like, uh, you know, by some spiritual uh, ritual or some work that we do, or we bring some offering like that. It's not, it's not like that. It's not some observance of some festival or, or, or giving your animal sacrifice. No, it's not by going to the temple. But believers worship how? By the Spirit of God, Paul says here in verse 3. That is, believers come to God by the work of the Holy Spirit. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the direct connection to God. That's the idea here. When we're saved, when we come to Christ, you know what happens? The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, right? What did Paul write in 1 Corinthians 3.16? Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? That's what happens when you get saved. And so we're connected to God through the Holy Spirit. The true connection to God is in the time of worship, is not by going to the Jewish temple. It's right here in our hearts. So Paul adds in verse 3, he says, and glory in Christ Jesus. Glory here is a Greek word, uh, which means boasting with joy. 
Interesting word. In other words, believers give Jesus great glory with great joy because of all that Jesus has done for them. He died on the cross, rose again from the dead, made the way so we have access to God and made the way so the Holy Spirit can actually live within us. I mean, that's mind-blowing already that God would live inside us. And and understand what Paul's saying here. It's not that we had done something to merit this kind of connection with God. No, it's through Jesus. And through Jesus, we had, he made this relationship possible because he knew we couldn't do it, right? We needed Jesus. So that's why Paul then ends this verse here. Verse 3 says, and that's why we don't put no, we do not put no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence in the flesh. Our confidence is, is, is not uh, in our relation, close relationship with God. It's not because of what we have done in the flesh or physically or ritually or circumcision. It's nothing to do with physically. It's all to do with how Jesus made the way and how spiritually we connect with God because of the Holy Spirit in us. So I hope that makes sense. Paul is saying there is great joy in how Jesus saved us to where we can come to God in, in worship and connect with Him through our spirit. See, it's the Holy Spirit in us that shows we have this close relationship. The Holy Spirit in us, and as we come to God and connect with God, the Holy Spirit in us means access. And that's our heading. I think back to our studies in John chapter 4. Do you remember when the Samaritan woman uh, uh, met with Jesus or Jesus met with her and, and through the course of the conversation the Samaritan woman was trying to uh, slide the conversation off of her and say hey you know us Samaritans we we worship on this mountain but you know you Jews you say you got to worship in Jerusalem that that's a place to be worshiped but we, we we say we worship over in this place well remember how Jesus replied to her and said in John four twenty one, women believe me the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. In other words, it's not about a place. It's not about some sacred mountain over here or Jerusalem's a sacred mountain or temple it has over there. No, what Jesus was saying after his work on the cross, worship is going to take place in a spiritual way. Worship can take place right in our hearts. So he said in John Chapter 4, verse 23. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. So you understand, it's no longer so much this physical location, but a spiritual connection in how we have, uh, that we, you know, come to God in worship. It's the Holy Spirit that puts that connection there. And that's why the Spirit means everything access to God. So the connection is not a physical place of worship. It's a spiritual place right here in our hearts. And that's why, here we go, in context of what we're reading, we can have joy. We can have abiding joy because of Jesus, because of our connection with Jesus. It's not about being circumcised and doing the rituals like these these, um, Judaizers are saying. It's not about going to Jerusalem. You have to be there. No. It's what Jesus has done. And spiritually, we have this connection to Jesus. So, our last point is this. Not only does the Spirit connect us to Jesus in our relationship with God, but it keeps us connected to the joy. 
Do you see how this flows? Rejoice in the Lord. Yeah, watch out for these signs of danger, what these Judaizers are trying to do to pull and steal, pull you out of this connection, pull you out of this, this how you know the truth and how you're saved. And, and then that steals your joy. But know that, hey, we have this connection to the Holy Spirit. And in that connection, that keeps us connected to the joy. So not only does the Spirit connect us to Jesus in our relationship with God, but it keeps us connected to the joy. I want to read to you uh, what Bruce Barton said in his commentary. He wrote, When life goes well for people who don't know the joy of the Lord, they feel elated. When hard times come, they may sink into depression. But, he writes, True joy enables us to transcend the rolling waves of circumstance. And listen to this. It will go on your screen. Joy comes from a consistent relationship with Jesus Christ. I love that. Look at your screen. Listen to this again. Joy comes from a consistent relationship with Christ Jesus. So do you see how this is all coming together with what Paul is saying? That's what he's pointing out here. We, we, we have in our re- relationship with Jesus this access you know, through the Spirit to joy, to be to tap into that joy. And we only have that relationship because not of our works, it's because of Jesus. And it's this type of relationship we find that connection, and in that connection we find great joy. So not only does the Spirit connect us to Jesus in our relationship with God, but it c- keeps us connected to the joy. So l- listen here. Do you understand how... You know, why I continue to encourage you guys to seek God daily, especially in this time that we're living in, in this unprecedented time of uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Every day, it seems like there's new things in the news. Every day, and it's affecting our daily life. And so it's hard sometimes. That, that can be so scary it can be so hard to it could be depressing it could it could just overwhelm you but let me tell you if you can seek the lord daily then you know what you can connect to that joy because we have the spirit in us and we are connected to jesus through the Spirit, and we can connect to that joy. That's why I, I, one reason I, I, I call out to you guys to connect to this live stream, both, both now, Wednesday and Sunday. Some of you are just Sunday morning people. Some of you are both Wednesday and Sunday. But I ask all of you to be faithful. Connect on Wednesday. Connect on Sunday to our live stream so we can together continue to connect to the Lord and get into the Word. And that way, we're doing everything we can to stay connected to Jesus. And that's how we can still have joy, even in the midst of this crazy crisis we're in. Let me ask you, have you lost your joy lately? Perhaps it's more like happiness that you had. Because your happiness hinged on how things were going, how your day was going, right? If it was a good day, you have happiness. If it was bad, you have you, you don't have that happiness. But do you want joy? Do you want real spiritual joy no matter what's been going on? Then get connected by the Spirit to Jesus. Get close to God. 
Do you see why Paul's in, in his writing, or even, even throughout all, he's, he's saying, you know, work out who you are now. We are Christians now. We, we are believers now. You know, think of others first. Start living that way. Uh, stop grumbling, right? Because complaining will steal your joy right away. He's continuing to encourage us to stay and stick to Jesus and to stay close because in that way we can rejoice in the Lord. Do you see why then when we come to God only through our works that we can, you know, start to feel condemned and that steals away our joy? No. Do you see now that the only way to have that deep and abiding joy is to stay connected to Jesus? Let me ask you, when was the last time you were really, really filled with deep joy? That your laughter and a smile on your face wasn't forced but it's because of that joy inside. You know, maybe for some of you, it's been a long time. Well, you know what? Now's the time. God wants to come in. God wants to connect with you. And all you need to do is come to Christ. Come in and ask for forgiveness. Confess your sins and get connected again. Maybe for you, you need to give your life to God right now for the first time. Pray. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Forgive you of your sins. Believe in what he done on the cross. And you know what? you can be connected to that joy and that burden can be lifted. And I'll tell you what, no matter what the crisis is, no matter what your day is like, we can, in this joy, we can get through. You know why? Because the joy is our strength, right? Nehemiah 8.10 says, And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, as we come to a close here, I read about this king of a certain country who... um, traveled often but one day a man living near the palace said turned to his friend a guy next to him said well it looks like the king is home tonight and his friend was like well how do you know that well the man pointed toward the royal house the palace and this is because when the king is home the castle is all lit up and i love that i like that because you know what when you're connected to jesus you'll be full of the spirit and you'll 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 be full of joy and that'll be springing up and out, and it'll be like a light coming up, coming out. You know, joy, it, it shows in your life. It shows in your face. It shows that the light is on. It shows that, hey, Jesus is right there. So no matter the situation, you know what? The joy of the Lord can shine out of you, and everyone will see that. Let me close with this. Remember that quote I said at the beginning? I'd like to end with that. William Vanderhaven said this, Joy is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of Christ. May you find that it's there in that presence of Christ is where you tap into the joy. Let's pray. Jesus says, uh, We come to you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins. Cleanse us right now. God, forgive us of of not seeking you like we should. Forgive us of, our, of those things that have hindered our relationship with you and has stopped and stolen that joy away. God, more than ever, we want to be close to you. More than ever, we want to spend that time and not be Martha's, Lord, but be the Marys who sit at your feet. God, more than ever, we want to be connected to you, Lord. 
We want to we want to be those that are right there tapping into joy, your joy, God, that we may get through this time that we're in right now. So, Lord, I pray for us right now that you would do that very thing. As our eyes are closed and heads are bowed, Lord, I, I ask that you would touch every heart out there right now that is listening, that is calling out to you right now by your spirit. May, you, may they feel your presence. May they feel your touch. May they feel your forgiveness pouring down upon them lifting them of that burden of guilt and soothing them with your love, your peace, and pouring into them that joy. And so, Lord, I pray for anyone out there right now that is listening that you would do that very thing. And, Lord, I pray for those who maybe for the first time are calling out to you. God, may you forgive them, cleanse them, and come into their hearts as they say, Jesus, come into my heart. I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Say those very words if, if you're, you're calling out to the Lord right now. And let God come in. And so, Lord, I pray for, for that person, Lord, that you are touching right now, that you are reaching to right now, that you would bring them into your arms, save them, fill them with your spirit, and may they forever be connected to you. Connect us all, Lord. And may we tap into you, Lord, our source of joy tonight. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.